0: I love your car analogy because I can imagine folks listening to the show and like arguing with you and like, no, no, no. But you have to be able to sit in the car in order to drive the car. Right. But But you don't. But you don't. We actually don't. Right. I mean, it's going to be uncomfortable and you're not going to enjoy it. But that's not (laughs) the point. Welcome to the Postlight Podcast. I'm Gina Trapani. I am the CEO of Postlight, and I'm very excited about my co-host and guest. I think you're a co-host and a guest today. We'll Natalie. call it both double duty. Call it both, double duty, double duty. Natalie Kurz, our head of product design here at Postlight. Hey, Natalie. Hello. How are how you? How are you? Great to see you. You as well. It feels like a hot minute since we've done this. So it's true. It's true. We've had you on the show before. You're a veteran, but it's been, it's been a while, and this seemed like a great opportunity. You wrote an article for on postlight.com, the insights, the insights section of Postsite.com, that the headline just really caught my eye because I'm a person with a particular psychology. Yep. <laughs> and the headline was, no one wants to waste time on rework. And we'll link this uh, article in the show notes. And I was like, correct. <laughs> no <laughs> one wants to waste time on rework. Having to redo something is the worst, like when you've already done it. I should admit I'm coming to this with, you know, my, my background is in engineering. So it's always like, how do you make things more efficient? How do I write this bit of code to make it super reusable and all these other places? And how do we automate things and get things done sooner? And now I'm, you know, leading an organization. We build software for clients, which means that we're extremely deadline driven and you need to have the final, 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 final. V2
1: final thing. underscore. B2 use final this version. <laughs> underscore No, really this version. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. And
0: you, you lead our design group. And it's funny because I, I still post light teams are cross-functional. We have product and design and engineering all working really closely together, but I will never be able to quell that instinct deep inside me. That's just like the engineer's got to start building. So the design has to be done. The design's done, right? Like I can start building because when it's done, I, I can start building. So tell me a little bit about, you have this like incredibly zen, chill, <laughs> open-hearted view on rework. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you view uh, design work and the times that you have to double back. And yeah, stuff. absolutely. First, I don't know if I've ever been called Zen and
1: Chill, so thank you for that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna count that one as a first. Yeah. Yeah. So this was something early in my career was definitely something I felt. You know, working with engineers, it's like no, you must have you know pixel perfect. You hand it off, and that's really the core of of what waterfall delivery is, right? Yes. We're gonna get all the design done, and then we're gonna give it to engineering, and they're gonna get all the engineering done. So as I started to learn about Agile and learn about the benefits of Agile, it started becoming more clear that like final is never final, right? Because again, we're not, you know, I'm not building a car and then I deliver it to someone and I can't change it, right? That's like right. the things that we do are are constantly shifting. And, and, and they should be, they should be constantly changing, right? If you have a product that you haven't changed in 10 years, it's probably woefully out of date. Right. Digital product. Right? A digital product. But yes. I guess all yes. products.
0: I mean I mean know, to some degree, know. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But specifically digital, of course. You know, so as I started learning about agile, I started understanding, okay, you know, there's room for learning, right? Because that that's really what it comes down to is to me, I don't look at rework as a pain, right? It's not a pain point. It's an opportunity for improvement. And so you shouldn't rework just because you feel like doing it a different way now, right? Like that's not a good reason to rework, but you learn something new, right? Or a requirement changed. Maybe your stakeholder came in and said, you know what, actually now our goal is this, we got to pivot, right? Or we did a whole bunch of usability testing and found out the way we thought this was going to work. It did not work at all.
0: But isn't that the point where the entire project team should take their Torches and pitchforks and say no. You said you can't change. No, well, you <laughs> said this, and so we're going to do that. Isn't that time for revolt? Come on, you can't. Can you change halfway through? What's that about? Yes, <laughs> no, and, and that. But that is the reaction
1: I've gotten on many occasions. And no, but I think the the goal is is that no, you have the whole team bought into the fact that like this is exciting. We just learned something new. We have a chance to make this better. We have a chance to meet this user need in a more effective way. Right? Let's take that time. And so going into your project with that mindset changes how you approach it from day one. And that's yes. really the key. You can't all of a sudden midway through a project decide that this is how you're going to work, right? This has to be a conscious decision from day one because everything you do has to be built upon this idea of like leaving options open and leaving things flexible. And so from everything, from the way that you design things to How fast you design them, right? So, even taking a very agile approach to design. So, instead of saying, I'm going to design this entire shopping cart experience from start to finish, right? Mm -hmm. Just saying, I'm going to design this one small part and test it and make sure I got that right. And then I'm going to design this next small part. And while I'm designing the next small part, engineering's building the first part. And as I design the second part, I might find out something I did in the first part actually doesn't work. So I'm going to go back and fix that. And what we don't want to have happen is there to be this friction between engineering and design of that exact thing. But you said it was done. I'm not going to waste my time. Right. But the goal is that you're being very scrappy. You're being very fluid. And, you know, they they only have to redo a small part because it's not like they've built the entire shopping experience. And now you go, whoops, sorry, learn something new. We have to change the whole thing and they have to redo the whole thing. Right. So you're redoing it in very small chunks because you're building it and designing it in very small chunks that work together and part of this you know is very dependent on your engineering team too to build things in such a way where they're flexible using clean architecture techniques right decoupling front end from back end all of those types of things so that when there is a change it's not like you're starting over from square one that's right a great example of this and this is this is kind of i think that aha moment for me in my career where we were trying a project really using this agile design Process, right? Where we were designing in very small chunks. We were doing a ton of usability testing and they were building it like, you know, we were not two, two months ahead of our engineers. We were maybe two days, right? Like oh, it, wow. was, very it was a close. very tight cycle. And, you know, everything we'd been building was testing really well and we'd gotten through a really good chunk of this case management system. And then what we did is we did this kind of innovative form of usability testing where lots of different departments touched this. So in in their silos, everything was working, but we actually brought together an entire roundtable and said, "Okay, we're going to watch this thing move through the entire process." Now we're all going to you know, you're going to hand off like you would for real. You're going to see what this other person's doing. And in between those cracks, there were tons and tons of issues during those handoff processes.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And one of the big things was we were told, you know, they had, it's a document management system, a case management system. So they kept talking about how they need to send documents, right, to each other. And sometimes there'd be a message attached. And that's how we built the system, right? That was the architecture. So the document was the main object and, and you could attach these messages, And what we ended up finding out was that wasn't working because what they actually wanted was, or what they actually needed was a way to send messages and sometimes attach documents.
0: Ah, It was the (laughs) the inverse. It was the inverse. Yep. There's a big difference between those two things. There's a
1: very big difference, but everyone kept talking about most, because some of the more vocal people, documents were the main way they were, they were communicating via documents. So the messages were just addendums to the documents, but it didn't apply to every single situation. And so we completely cut off the ability to do this other critical part of their jobs. And had our engineers built this in a very brittle way, that could have been months of time to redo. We got that redesigned and reengineered in two weeks. Oh, that's amazing! I was impressed by how fast that went. I did not think it was going to. You know, it was one of those when I told the engineers I was kind of like ducking for cover, like, "How much are they going to kill me?" Right, you know, knowing <laughs> that we had to change this, like, <laughs> bracing for the worst storm ever. Right, and they're like, "No, that should be pretty simple." I think, yeah, let's get in there. We'll we'll give you an estimate and like. It was totally fine. And it made, had
0: we launched it the original way, it would have been a big failure. I mean, it speaks to the fact that the engineers had built a system with flexibility in mind, that it wasn't exactly so rigid, right? That it couldn't be changed, that things could change, right? And this is what you mean by, this is like a mindset throughout. It's funny though that yeah. you were like- no. I wasn't sure. <laughs> it was a big change. I was like <laughs> wincing, like, so about this message thing, you we change the entire paradigm? How how bad would that be? Right.
1: Because it's, you know, and, and certainly things like, oh, we need to change this form field to this other type of form field. Those are easy changes that I very rarely have had anyone ever put back on, but massive changes like that. Yeah, You know, it was the first time in my career that I'd really had kind of run into that where it was even possibility. There are times in, in the past where I'd run into that of like, "Oh, we did this wrong. I wish we could do it again. But like that ship has sailed for whatever reason, right? right? Timeline right. or, you know, clients just like, no, keep moving. This is right. that opportunity where it was like, no, we really do need to change this. And it could be a massive...
0: This is a fundamental paradigm misunderstanding that we had. We just didn't, we didn't realize. Yeah,
1: exactly. And up until that point, we've been testing and everything had been testing well. So it wasn't even like we could have caught this earlier. Yeah. Right. It was this very unique situation where, like I said, it was in between these cracks, in between these handoffs Mm -hmm. in this very, very complicated workflow that it fell
0: down. Yep. I mean, I think back to the beginning of my career, which is, you know, 20, 25 years ago when I mm-hmm, first started yeah. doing engineering. I'm, I'm dating myself and I'm totally comfortable. No, with that. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah. And, and I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier the, the waterfall approach, right? It's, it's the approach that you take when you're building a house or an airplane or a car. There are full and complete specs and requirements and materials cut to exactly the size that they need to be so that they could run through the factory and get assembled, right? So yeah all everything gets defined and you don't there's no change midway. I mean, you imagine building a house I and mean, being actually this hallway should go over here. Or I mean, it's a huge... actually, I need three more bedrooms. Actually, I forgot I to tell <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention, right, that doesn't work. So, yeah. you know, I remember in the beginning of my career, you know, I, I started to develop that, like, self-righteous indignation of the engineer who is at the end of the flow, right? Because right. the way waterfall works, right, you got product up front and they're defining. I remember these just pages and pages of requirements and like feature descriptions like down just describing every single last you know edge case use case the whole right and and now the product specifications are set they get approved the stakeholders are like go and then design is like all right i have to design this thing it gets passed over the wall the the waterfall is like right and then it flows down to the next level right and designers have to design what's in the specifications right and designers are done And then designers pass on to the engineers, right? And then, you know, often, so often it would happen where, you know, by the time it got to the engineers, it'd be like, wait, this, but we didn't think of this or, but this doesn't make sense in practice, you know, because you're just never going to be able to describe in words or imagine even the smartest and most experienced people, the things that like you just didn't know or what it's going to feel like when you're actually using it. And this is what this change, this mindset change of from waterfall to agile, which is that we know that there are things we don't know. And so we're going to approach this with the idea that things are going to change. The only that's constant it. is change. Yeah. yeah. It's the unknown unknowns that get you every time.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think to me, that's the true differentiation between like, you know, the waterfall agile hybrid, what I call waggle. And oh, a lot of. Tell me about <laughs> waggle. That's, like that's just like fun to say. <laughs> where a lot of project teams I think fall into where You know, you're calling yourself agile. Engineers are involved in design decisions up front, which is great. That's a, that's a key, you know, piece of breaking down that waterfall, right? It's like talking about how are we going to implement this thing that's in my head, this thing that I want to design, getting engineers perspectives, right? That's all great. And I see that a lot of times when you, when you start transitioning from like a waterfall into an agile, but the piece that usually doesn't happen in that transition, which is what I call agile is that agile design, right? It's usually waterfall up until it gets to that point of engineering now starts to look at it and then it becomes agile, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the front half is is waterfall. We're doing strat, we're doing all this big strategy. We're writing these functional requirement documents for the entire product. We know exactly where it's going to go. We start designing and maybe after we start designing, engineer starts jumping in and, and building, right? Right. right? and And that's again, kind of that blended approach. But in my mind, the best, the best things are like, I don't exactly know where this is going to go. I don't know what all my features are going to be up front. I don't know what that MVP truly looks like until we start building it, until we start ideating. And because and it's like, well, I'm, I'm going to use a, a quote from a, a former colleague that this was his, his signature quote was, you know, the devil's in the details and the details are in the doing, mm. right? You don't know what you need until you're in there doing it until you're in there talking to users and you're not going to get all of that up front. Or even if you do get all that up front, it's going to change. That's the other thing. Things change, right? Six yes. months into a project, all of a sudden we just found out we can't get a license for this technology. We can't do it this way. Now right. we have to change, right? Yeah. It, it's always going to happen, whether it's a technical thing or user thing, or even just now we have a new stakeholder and their vision is completely different. Mm-hmm. And now we have to adjust our you know, process. So to me, it's, it's, Almost wasted effort when you talk about rework, it's wasted effort to try and define things so finitely upfront because mm-hmm. you know they're going to have to change. So just admit that upfront, things are going to change. Right. Things are going to change. Information is going to emerge as we exactly. go. And that's yeah. good. That's a good thing. If I know everything upfront and I don't learn a single thing from, you know, after my two weeks of discovery is done or whatever, that's a failure because there, there's so much to learn there. If I'm not yeah. open to learning those things or the team isn't opening to, responding to those new learnings, yep. right? With new ideas. Because that's the other thing. I might have a great idea about how to solve for this thing day one, right? And and that's what we start building to. And then day 50, when I learned something, I was like, oh, oh, that actually changes. Now I've got a better way of solving that thing I already thought I solved because of this new information. Blocking yourself from from going back and being able to change that and make it better, I think is a, does a real disservice to your users and to the end product itself.
0: When you designed and then your engineers built the system that was documents that could have a message attached to them right right yeah <laughs> a lot of work went into that i'm imagining that system and there's there's a lot there and then when you learned we missed a fundamental thing which is that it should have been a message with a document attached mhm so <laughs> i'm going to uh, here's how i would feel i would yeah. be like so angry that someone <laughs> or some something about the our learning process our discovery process somebody who didn't tell us this very important piece of information, a question that we didn't pose, like I would get mad, I would get angry because like, yeah. when you say like no one likes to waste time and rework, I would feel like what a waste of time and effort. We went down the whole the wrong road. If we had just asked the question, if we had just talked to the right person, if we just observed, like I would start to, and I think this is my, you know, the sad case of an engineer's brain. I think I would start to want to re-engineer the process of discovery to get it to the perfect state where we would have had all that information up front, which is actually not, this is why I said you were so Zen and chill. You were like, this is now we've learned something. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's even in, better. In, Like you're so Kaaba, but you're just like, okay, that's not wasted time. We have now learned. Right. Well, it,
1: <laughs> in, in that specific case, we had done tons of research. We were constantly doing research. Yeah. You know, it was, again, this was, this was perfect scenario in terms of this type of thing. And, and not all projects are going to work this way. I fully recognize that, but like we had daily access to our users. We were doing constant usability testing we were getting constant feedback. We were doing daily design stand-ups with our client to right. show them the changes. And, and like it was just, it was wonderful collaboration from day one. And but with this particular thing, to answer your question, like, no, I wasn't angry because we had done everything that we could have to you get had to the done point. Everything you know, that you could. <laughs> it wasn't like if I just asked that question. Because right. we were getting the answer we kept getting was we need to send documents, documents. messages attached. Because that's that's how their current system worked. Right. That was a big thing. And that's another thing in, in rework is, especially when you're redesigning a system that already works or that already exists, there's that. so much bias and they had so many, their system was awful. It was this legacy mainframe of like different types of applications that didn't actually talk to each other, connect, and they were entering information in lots of places and they had a thousand different workarounds. And so they wanted us to build those workarounds into the system. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What are you actually trying to do? Right. I even had to explain to them like, <laughs> Don't get frustrated with me that I keep asking you why, like, this is why I keep asking you why, because I'm trying so you to don't get have to, the to do all this. <laughs> exactly. I can make your jobs easier. And it was one of those things where when we tested the documents with messages, they're like, yep, this is exactly what I need. Cause it's basically just a better version of what they had. And it wasn't until we really dove in and started looking at some of these edge cases where we're like, this isn't working. And then once we redesigned it and put it in front of them, they're like, oh, oh, this is what we've been missing. And it was this huge realization moment for them of like, this actually is now what we need. And that to me was like such a great feeling oh, to finally have them went. be like, oh my gosh, this is now what I need. Mm-hmm. That, you know, yeah, there was there was trepidation about like how much rework is this gonna be? Certainly right. at the beginning, but I wasn't, I wasn't angry about it. It wasn't, right. I, I didn't feel like there was missed opportunity to have learned this. I think if we hadn't built it, if we had just like shown designs, they would have said like, yeah, that's great. Cause we were showing designs. They're like, yep, that's what we need. So it wasn't until we actually went through this like end to end handoff of the system and testing that we realized like that was the only time we were going to find out this information, I guess that's where I'm getting. But one interesting thing that I did walk away with was as we were designing that we kept running into a lot of really tricky design detail problems, right? There were a lot of things that just didn't feel like they worked. They didn't feel right. And Once we switched it around, everything fell into place. So I think from a design perspective, that's a really good thing to lean on. Is like, listen to your gut. If something, if you're really, really struggling to get that like round peg into the square hole.
0: Is this this supposed to be a peg at all? Right, Right. exactly.
1: (laughs) Peel it back, peel it back for a second. Right. Because something fundamentally is probably wrong with an assumption you're making, a requirement you were told, what the users think they need versus what they actually need. Because most things in design will, will kind of sort themselves out, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you know, when all of a sudden everything's coming together and working. So if you're feeling that friction, it's a time to go, wait a minute. Ask a fundamental. Yeah. Is right. this a chance to rework right now? Because I'm really feel like I'm pushing, you know, towards something that's not really going to be useful.
0: Right. I'm going down the wrong path. I see some, like, I'm seeing a bunch of signs that are telling me this is the wrong way. And turn I keep around, pushing, turn but, around. yeah, turn around. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Exactly. So that was another lesson
1: of just like, listen to your gut and, and maybe, you know, change the types of questions you're asking or, you know, whatever it is that you can do to to kind of work your way back before it gets too late. That's the other thing is obviously you want to catch that rework as soon as possible. So coming up with things in, in chunks and coming up with things kind of as you go, as opposed to saying, we're going to design this whole thing up front. Well, if I've made mistakes, if I've made mistake with decision number one, that is a waste. I wasted now a ton of time building on top of an incorrect assumption from that first.
0: Right. You want to fail early. Exactly. <laughs> not fail or like hit the, the dead end or the, the place where you realize this isn't working as soon as possible, right? Yeah. No, I feel like a core piece of
1: Agile is fail early and often. In the article I used, the, you know, the the light bulb scenario, right? Like yes. you learned great. 99 ways not to make a light bulb. It wasn't wasted effort. You had to learn those
0: things along the way to get to the end result. Right. Good old Thomas Edison. It's true. Exactly. And I should say, like, you know, post-site, we say we're like lowercase agile, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. not rigid into the book. We're We're not dogmatic. We're not like every ceremony, every point, every, we, we don't follow agile actually to the letter, but it is, it is a mindset and it's a way of working instead of that, that being that open to the idea that we don't exactly know where we're going, but we also do work for clients. And mm-hmm. we have one particular agreement structure where instead of the client paying for time, you know, a team over time, they're paying for a deliverable. So we have to ship a thing for a certain amount of money by a certain date. Right. And that's a really good setup for the client because they know like my budget is going to blow up and I know that I'm going to get a thing in the end. We bear the risk of managing the scope and making sure that we are delivering by a date. And so it's funny because I'll, I'll have people say to me, like, I don't understand. How can you be agile? And have a deadline that you're definitely going to ship a thing like you don't know what the thing is. And you don't know how long it's going to take. Like, how does Mm -hmm. that work? And so this is something that I think we've really built this muscle over time. I'm not going to say that we've gotten it right every time because we definitely have not. We've had some, we've had things going off the rails, going to totally, you know, and we bore the financial repercussions of that. That's part of it. But most of the time we do get it right. And, you know, a big fundamental change like that, like going from documents with messages to messages with documents. And I I saw you go like, is this feasible? Is this possible? Because you're always working again. There's always a deadline looming, right? There's a stakeholder expecting. How do you know when... It's worth saying, hey, we nearly need to do this or when you say, you know what, this could be better, but that's got to be the next phase. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. It, it is
1: and again, this comes from day one mindsets and conversations with the client and how you sell the project, you know. So the the case management system, it was fixed budget, fixed time, mm-hmm. right that we are working within there were certain things that like this thing had to do and, you know, and this was also a a complete cutoff. We were cutting off one system on one day and starting this there was no integration. There was a huge NDA. We couldn't see any code. We couldn't see a single screen. We couldn't see anything about the system that existed. We were making a movie adaptation of a book we couldn't read. Oh my gosh. Like So it was, we were very much relying on other people to describe what it was that they needed and what they were doing. So it wasn't, but, so the first thing was, you know, there were certain things this thing had to do you know, you had to be able to submit a document. You had to be able to digitally sign a document. There were, there were core functions that we knew had to happen. So we mapped those out, right? That was, that was a pretty straightforward thing. And then there was like the nice to have the things that like, these would make my job easier if I had, but there's a manual workaround if I don't have that day one, right? right? That was kind of another bucket of things. And then there was like the extra fancy, shiny, these would be lovely to have we don't even have them in our current system. Right.
0: But if I can have a pony, this is be the pony. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And we went through this very, very specific MVP exercise of like good, better, best, because the thing is saying I can sign a document online. There's a good, better, best version of that. Yes. In terms of what I do, right. Is this a huge, like DocuSign integration, or is this like a simple, I can sign a piece of paper and then take a picture and upload it. That's still a way of getting a digital signature. It's not a good way, right? right? right. But it does get the job done. And right. so we we went through each of these features and kind of looked at what's a good, better, best implementation of each of these. And then worked with the product owner to go, okay, which of these is the most important? Right. In that case, because we're dealing with a lot, I mean, this is a system that every person in America could be touching. And, you know, so a huge user base with huge varying degrees of technical acumen. That you know, good version was not a reasonable version, right? That was one where we had to go to best, Mm -hmm. but there were other things where, okay, you can't do that day one. We're just going to do the good version. So we really went through and ranked all of these things. That's where the scope comes in. That's how you rein it in to go, okay, what do we think is feasible in this one year delivery that we've promised? And you constantly reevaluate that. That's the other piece is it was teaching our product owner, what does an MVP really mean? And it's Mm -hmm. literally, can I do my job? Not, can I do my job? Well, not, can I enjoy doing my job? Not, can I do my job easily? (laughs) Right? Right? Like it's (laughs) like, I relate it back to a car. A lot of people, when they talk about MVP, they're like, you know, we're not talking about like leather seats. We're talking about cloth seats. (laughs) And to me, an MVP is like, there are no seats of a car. (laughs) Like what, what do you need in order for it to be a car? You need a way to steer, you need a way to go, you need a way to stop. Mm -hmm. And you know, you need tires, right? Like a thing to go on. That's it. If I'm standing there, there's no seat, there's no radio, there's no windshield, right? Like we're not like that is a true MVP is what is the very, very basic thing we can define a car as? Yeah. And then once that's built, then you start adding on those other layers. So once we got that done, we went back and started adding in those other layers. But that's how that scope is. You're constantly reevaluating that and going, Hey, listen, we'd hit this feature and it took us twice as long as we thought. So now we have to look at the rest of our runway here and go, what are we going to give up? What are we going to take from a best back down to a better because we can't accomplish it, right? right? So it, it's that constant reevaluation. And so it's the same thing. Whereas if I say up front, this is exactly what you're going to get up front," And I'm going to list out all of these details and all these implementation things. You're actually hurting yourself in that type of an engagement because you don't know how long any of that's going to take. So, you have to stay flexible. And you don't know if those are the most most important things to make an MVP. Right. And that's, right. that's the thing is, is you know, there were times where we thought something was really important and it had to be the best version. We talked to users. I'm like, no, the good one's fine. Right. Or, I don't no, really no. even need that. I don't even really need that. Oh, I you don't know? even like,
0: really need that. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> that's that the was, best. That is the best. You're just like, oh, okay. So, then we can do the stuff that you really mm-hmm. do need. Right. But in a waterfall scenario, if that's on the the specifications list, you're designing and building it. And then I design it. Right.
1: And then it gets implemented. And that's, that's the waste of time. Right. It building things that you don't need. Right. Or that don't work or that don't meet the user needs. Like that's the waste of time. Right.
0: That's the real waste. Exactly. But do you have any advice to folks who, you know, designers or even, even engineers and product folks who are still in that sort of that waterfall context? Like, changing a mindset <laughs> from the get-go of a project, like it's, it's huge. And this is something a lot of our clients are very savvy and quite modern. And I mean, let's, let's say the truth. I mean, agile has been around, it's been like 20 years, right? It's yeah, not, it's not it's yeah. nothing new, but you know, I, I think there's still that sort of house builder mindset, right? Do you have any advice for, you know, a team or a product owner to, to help start to change the way that folks think about, because I think it can be really scary, especially for someone who's like, writing a giant check and has never made software before. like What do you mean you don't know what we're going to get? Like what's going to happen in the end? (laughs) And I think that all comes into the,
1: we are going to figure out the what, but we're not going to figure out the how. It's focusing on solving a problem. So instead of saying we're going to deliver this feature or we're going to deliver this implementation, it's we're going to solve this problem. We are going to allow users to be able to digitally upload Documents, yes. right? I'm not going to say how we're going to do that upfront. That's the part we discover. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that what problem are we solving? And I think even when you're talking about deliverables based projects, even from a very small perspective, I try to shy away from anything that's saying like we are going to deliver you a journey map and a blue service blueprint and five personas and I'm, I'm not just going to deliver that because I said I'm going to deliver that. And and oftentimes you box yourself into. I get in there and that's not really what I needed to do. Right. And so what I would prefer to say is this starts again, just from that very first conversation and contract is what I'm going to deliver to you is an understanding of your users and their needs, how we do that. We're going to figure out together. Right. In in the format that best suits you or right. That is is most appropriate. Exactly. Or your users or the timeline. Right. Because it might be like, you know what in our timeline, I only have three days to do that. I'm not going to build you an entire blueprint in three days. Right. Like why, why spend our time on that? What can I do? That's right. Exactly. And so it's, it's really focusing on what's the outcome, not the output focus on yeah. the what up front and the how develops as you go. Right. And I think that's the key mindset change, even, you know, as a designer, even thinking about, you know, I know what I need to do. Okay. I need to create a checkout experience from start to finish. Right. That's the what how I do that. I'm not going to say how many screens it's going to take. I'm not going to say, are we going to accept Bitcoin up front? Right. Like, right. <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. That's a de- low level detail. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. But like all of those things emerge and it, it requires the entire team to be on board. Right. Cause it requires a really strong PM to be communicating with your PO and with the client every step of the way to go listen We didn't promise you we could do Bitcoin. We promised you a shopping cart experience. And like, we're going to serve your users. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But it's also a really good way of building in collaboration with your client. Mm, right, like mm-hmm. you have to collaborate with your client if you're now figuring out the how together. There's no choice.
0: Right, that's right. Because you have to, you have to understand and learn. Like, does this checkout experience? Are all your customers using Bitcoin? Okay, then let's have that conversation. Like, we need to learn about that. Yeah, exactly. The defining the what versus the how. Like, it's such a, it's such an excellent point. And you know, when we write our our statements of work or SOWs for our mm-hmm. clients, we we really try to just say the what. And it's usually our agreements are typically our SOWs are typically short and pretty simple and are not these like long lists of requirements. And, you know, there are times when we're dealing with large sums of money and like abstract ideas of software. So there are mm-hmm. times that, and we have like uh, deliverables during this, you know, during the discovery phase may include, <laughs> you know, right. Yeah, exactly. Like these are some common deliverables, you know, the a clickable prototype, uh, you know, working MVP. Like yeah. we will include, you know, so activities and things you might see along the way. Cause I think on some level, you know, you want to reassure the client like this is you're going to get you know, something. You're going to get something. Right. Exactly. And this is the way that we work. And these are the the deliverables you'll, you will see. But I've definitely had folks say to me, like, how do you, when you sign an agreement, a legal agreement to to deliver, you know, a what, when when that can be interpreted in lots of different ways, you know what I mean? You don't want to get yourself in in a situation where, you know, the idea of what we think we're promising is different than what the client thinks we're promising. And this is why that continual kind of scope management and discussion. What are we trying to achieve? What is that outcome? What is the problem that we're solving? Okay, now everything that we actually build and put our effort into has to be squarely behind that, you know, and and the the minimum version of that. I think a lot of people use that term MVP, but the key minimum, minimum, like is a key word there. Yeah, no, I mean, and again, all of this comes back to
1: that very original, like, how do you frame a project? How do you talk to clients about the projects? A lot of it's educating them at the beginning about How this all works. You know, I've responded, I've been part of teams that have responded to RFPs where it's like, here's a thousand point requirements document and this is what we're asking for. And it's like, I just that's what makes me shudder. Unless that's a time of materials project where I got, you know, five years to execute. Right. I'm gonna be really, really wary about, you know, that that's a lot of expectation to cram into something that you have no idea how long any of it's gonna take. And you don't know right. You don't know
0: how this is gonna go. That's right. Exactly.
1: You know, again, this this comes back to the very beginning too of how companies even solicit vendors, right? How are they writing their RFPs? How are they going after vendors to work with? And how are they positioning their products? So again, all of that influences, you know, all of these downstream, how how are you going to execute?
0: Yeah. And it's funny when you see an RFP, which is a request for proposal, like from Mm -hmm. a manufacturing company or transit company, or or the kind of company that builds physical things that follow very much the waterfall. You know, I think that often, you know, they, they, well, it's software must be the same thing, right? Got to write out all the requirements or, you know, upfront it's this switch and so so you know no one wants to waste time and rework but what I'm hearing is I mean rework is part of the work it is the work it is it is the work It's, it's a
1: part of doing the work well
0: all right I'm gonna try to absorb that and really
1: <laughs> take, take that in. When take I find myself
0: doubling back and having to re- redo something and it happens yep. to me, I'm not an engineer anymore day to day, but it happens to me certainly in lots of different things. Right. But you learn something from that. You learn something. I learned, I, I got a clarity of thinking like, oh, this doesn't work.
1: So let's, right. let's do something that right. does. But finding a way to make that as fast as possible, right? That's right. That's where not doing it all up front and then finding out you did it wrong and having to redo the whole thing.
0: Well, thank you so much, Natalie. I love having you on the show. We're going to have thank you on you. more often. Please this do great conversation. If you are listening to this and you're thinking, we need a little bit more of this. We need a little bit more of this mindset, this kind of agile mindset in the way that we get our projects done. Oh, we'd love this stuff. Please get in touch. Send us a note. Hello at postlight.com. Um, we all read every note that comes in. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a note. Thanks again, Natalie. Great to see you.
1: You You as well. All right. Bye-bye.